yeah, I just it I just hate dealing with insurance and police and stuff. I just don't like it. Yeah, and even though it wasn't your fault, your payment's probably going to go up. Yeah, probably. Even though I have I've sent them the footage and I was like this is what happened to me, so Yeah, please, I mean, please don't punish. Some I mean, they might not punish you, but technically when they look it up in their table, they're like, "Well, this person has had at least one accident." <laughs> Right. Uh, so maybe they're, I don't know, insurance is fucked. Obviously insurance is fucked. This is not news to anyone. Yeah, yeah. they'll look at me like, oh, this is this guy's second hit and run incident where we've had to do something to this car. It's, He's it's, just unlucky, so make his payment go up. It's really interesting to think about because insurance covers something that is uh, very broad and uh, has a lot of factors and almost limitless number of factors go into the conditions that would cause you to cash out part of your insurance, you know, to use your insurance, which it should be used for. Uh, And yet the calculations about what your payment should be and consequently how much of a risk you are pretty simple. They're just like this person got in a wreck, increase their payment. Fuck them. It it doesn't matter if a car on fire plowed into them at a dead stop. Fuck them. Sir, I'm reading your file. It says you're unlucky, so we're just going to double your rate. (laughs) Hey, you seem like the kind of person who gets, like, a lot of cancer, so we're going to make this more unaffordable for you. You're going to have to break bad, bitch. <laughs> oh, no. The insurance. You know, they. Uh, I think, uh, I, I forget who directed Breaking Bad. Oh, I Vince feel bad. Vince Gilligan? Mark Vince, Frost? Vince Gilligan. Gillian? Gilligan? Gillian? Gilligan. Vince. Lil Vincent. Vin- Vincey. They did... Uh, uh, they did remove that scene from the first episode <laughs> of Breaking Bad. They're like, oh, is this too on the nose? <laughs> it was the insurance company saying you're going to have to break bad, bitch. Right. Right. Yeah, because and they, they, they're they like, well, does this take too much agency away from Walter? <laughs> does this take does this ruin his whole arc? The, what's crazy, though, is in the director's cut, he hears that. And then he looks over and he sees a cookbook that's been torn in half and it says cook. And then a person from New Zealand walks in and says math, but they say it (laughs) meh. That's pretty good. Tonight, a president goes back on one of his campaign promises? What? Plus, something John has prepared. Right here on Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's Bad President John. 
And together we're Henry and Bad President John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist in order to make the world safer for the World Cup losers. Henry, if I were the president, I think that I would be a good one. I feel like I would be the worst president because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't quite have the foreign policy needed to run a nation, and I'd, I've never studied law. Well, let me tell you, none of the bozos we've got in Congress, none of the bozos in the White House know jack about either of those things. You know what I'm talking about? And I, am I talking to the New York Post right now? <laughs> None of those bozos in Washington could tell their left foot from their right shoe. Wow, that's pretty dumb. Because one of them is attached to them. That's a lot of thems. They never. They're they're bozos. I don't know what to tell you. Well, even the clown could tell the time one time a day, right? <laughs> even a broken clown is right. But these bozos in Washington, <laughs> I've never seen them be right. Oh, these bozos in Washington. That is what they are for sure. John, we're on the, the, the some might say, the last dash of the year. Uh, but I'm going to recontextualize, too. I'm done with the year, and I'm just waiting for the planet to, to, to catch up with me. Yeah, I um. A lot of people, I don't know about you, maybe we talked about this last year, they seem to think December is like a month. That's where I get mad at those people. Because they're, they're like, oh, wow, we really got to, we're going to do this whole month, right? We're going to do this whole thing. And I'm like, no, man. Fucking Lifetime Channel, Holiday, wait, Hallmark Channel, they're already showing the Christmas movies. It's done. It's over. The year, it was good. Let's Let's just pause for a whole quote-unquote month and just let 2023 approach when it's ready are we really gonna be able to do that much in in the very end of the quarter of the year no you you know when i think the year ends giving tuesday what is, oh is that today today's giving tuesday today is giving tuesday and i am giving done with this year <laughs> Yeah, I'm giving no more fucks, that's for sure. I ran out of them. And the other 11 goddamn months in the year. Like, everyone's been going, pardon my French, balls to the wall. <laughs> every, every man, woman, and child. All year, just give us a break. I'm, I'm being assigned work right now, and about half the people in my company are on my page, which is like, I'm not going to. You realize I'm not going to do anything because it's December. Giving Tuesday has passed. Yeah, uh, you gave me work on Giving Tuesday. I gave you the finger. So I think we're even. Let's coast to the to the next year as slowly as humanly possible. You know, I have thought about this as a personality trait. And this is a quick aside. We'll come back to Giving Tuesday. Uh, but a lot of people are making jokes about, like, I can't read It's Giving Tuesday. I read It's Giving Tuesday. You know, the the current vernacular vernacular use of giving. And I'm thinking as a personality trait, I might uh, see people walk up to me on the street, you know, friends and close acquaintances, and I'll say things like, It's Giving Shirt. Or It's Giving Coat. <laughs> if they're wearing a shirt or a coat. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm following. 
It's Giving Shirt. Anyway, back to Giving Tuesday. Uh, okay. I gave to Central Texas Pig Rescue Love the Pigs. Uh, and I hope that everyone else, both on this call and not on this call, took full advantage of Giving Tuesday. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm having a real I'm having a real sliders moment. Uh, did I slide into a universe in which Giving Tuesday was established and exists? Giving Tuesday is definitely a thing. It's real. It's a real thing that they did last year. Yeah, it's a real thing that has been a part of corporate America for a while. And it's usually your company either gives you some money to donate or they match your donations. Typically just like charitable contributions are juiced in some way meaningfully on Giving Tuesday. If we're being perfectly honest, for some companies, it's just an opportunity for them to push Giving Tuesday so that they can give like an allowance to their employees to then donate, which is a sure tax break for the employer, but they also end up in like a lot of lists and articles about giving a lot of money during Giving Tuesday. Now, now this is amazing uh, because I've been in the corporate world for five years and I've worked for the same company for all of that time. Is it a surprise to anyone on this call or not on this call that I've never heard of this before? <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm going to try to use the modern vernacular. Your work is uh, giving Ebenezer Scrooge. All right. So that means, so giving noun as in I, like, I cannot explain it to you. I barely know myself. Giving this culture off, has, has left me in the dust. Giving off the energy of the noun? Is that in my, so you don't know. Okay. You work in a miserly place is all I'll say. It's very true. Uh, John, speaking of youth culture, I do have a little culture corner update for you. Oh, is it a quirked up white boy busting it down sexual style? Was That was from three years ago. It's close to that, actually. It's, it's kind of close. Um, John, if you recall on this very podcast, I think it was episode 263 or 268. That's what I can remember. You introduced a word to me. Uh, a word by the vernacular of chuggy. Uh-huh, chuggy. I think you'll be proud to, uh, to to hear that in the latest Pokemon game, Pokemon Scarlet or Violet, your your color of choice, uh the the headmaster of the Pokemon University asks you a question in sort of like a persona bonding moment where you're deepening your social connections. And he asked you, what, what does Chugi mean? <laughs> and because of you, I could answer correctly. So thank you, John. Wow, I powered up your Pokemon. You, yep. You, you, I got closer to an 80-year-old man, thanks to you. Well, I expect my Alakazam in the mail. That, oh, the Pokemon. Pokemon. The right? Pokemon. Yeah, Alakazam is a Pokemon. You are correct. Sorry, I thought... For some reason, it was like an Alibaba reference. Got very confused. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. Three pa three favorite Pokemon go. I'll go first. Uh, Gengar, Cubone, and the one I just said, Alakazam. Really great picks. Really solid taste. No, wait, right no, there. no, no, no. Uh, what's the what's the fat, sleepy elephant that eats, that eats people's dreams? The psychic oh, one. Oh, oh, either drowsy or hypno. Drowsy and Hypno. Love them both. They're a okay. tie for third. Wow. All right. Well, you did have good taste until just now. Uh, my meter's great. My three favorite Pokemon? 
a Dragonite Tyranitar, and I'm going to say uh, for a third one, this is hard. Um, oh, yeah, Clauncher. All right, uh, so I've got very pedestrian okay. taste. Th- one made up, two real. <laughs> There's over a thousand Pokemon now, John. Get get, get Update your, your, your app. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll. Is that what the kids are saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, you're actually ahead of me on youth culture. The kids are saying update your app. Uh, that sounds like something a 50 year old writes for an 18 year old to say to their 30 year old parents. I hate the to math drag on him that does not check out. <laughs> I, I I really hate to drag him because he's one of my favorite authors, but that really feels like what David Mitchell would write for dialogue in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Update your Sony. Uh, anyway, what giving, the fuck Tuesday. Giving, giving Tuesday, giving Tuesday, giving Tuesday, giving Tuesday. So like thank you, John. Togepi. I don't know what that means. Thank you, John, for giving me what I'm drinking tonight, this hazy little thing IPA from Sierra Nevada, a wedding beer. That's right. I- I'm glad you're making use of the wedding beer. I uh, The decision to go with the Sierra Nevada uh, hazy little thing, hazy IPA, was actually surprisingly fraught for me because I wanted to keep it local for all of the beers at our wedding, but uh, there were no hazy, there were no hazy, very drinkable IPAs in season that you could buy in bulk from local breweries at the time, which is a shame. Uh, and apparently, no one fucking drank them, so I've got like a hundred of them left. Well, I'm drinking them now, John, and let me just say they are indeed crushable, as you so very eloquent eloquently eloquently put it and uh they're good and i'm very tired yeah they're crushable and tired i on the other hand am uh, drinking a little combo beverage little combo loco Uh, i am in fact drinking a trader joe's sparkling raspberry lime water and a glass of toki scotch whiskey well that's an interesting little combo. it's like a little ranch water you made yeah, they're not mixed together. They're just two drinks <laughs> Wait, side by side that I'm mixed... clearing I'm clearing my palate with the sparkling water between drinks okay. of whiskey. I thought you'd be like chugging oh, not chugging. You, you, you sip a little whiskey, you sip a little your little uh, a little sparkling water, you make a little cocktail in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, DIY cocktail. A little you could just you could just in, pour them. in vitro cocktail. Yeah. That's better, because DIY, it's like, you, you could just pour them in the same glass. Nothing's stopping you from doing that. <laughs> Nothing doesn't make that DIY. I know the last time we talked, uh, I was trying to be sober uh, for the purposes of my general health, but I seem to be uh, losing body fat at a decent clip that is acceptable, so I've allowed myself this slight dalliance of a giant pour of scotch whiskey. Well, good. Wait, I thought it was vodka. No, did I say vodka? Did I definitely said vodka. I must not have been listening. I I mean, who knows what I said, but it is scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey. Well, good for you, buddy. I'm proud of your progress and I'm I'm proud of you as a human person. Thank you. It's one of the few things I can control. You could uh, say I'm giving thanks. Oh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> is that yeah. Is that, am I using it right? Yes, because now understand that I don't know what it means or what it does, but I'm going to say yes. All right, cool. We're doing it. We're, we're hip.
We're hip. It's giving hip. Speaking of giving hip. Oh, no, John, what's up? Uh, did you happen to watch the World Cup today on this givingest of Tuesdays? Uh, unfortunately, I cannot find myself at a position in which I'm able to watch the World Cup as it happens, but I do keep up with online updates that do not require a video feed. I, uh, thankfully am in a position where I can watch it in real time, and let me tell you, the setup that I have for doing that, it was extremely hard to find a, uh, source that was showing the USA-Iran game and not the England-Wales game. Because it's all ITV or whatever. Right. It's all people who are way more interested in what's happening with England than it is what's happening with the US of A. Yes, and and thankfully I was able to watch it on a network called like TSN or something that I'd never heard of. And it's the quality of their announcing is actually pretty high. But then at the end they have like TSN's ambitious player of the game. (laughs) Like they, they have all these the the trimmings and the trappings of like an ESPN, but obviously all the other like words and modalities were taken. Amazing. Uh, they're like, take it to the zip cam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are they are what's left of what can be trademarked. It's like it's like every new medicine on the market, but with sports terms. <laughs> yeah. You're in uh, the slam cam. <laughs> <laughs> I you're you're not far off. It's like most ambitious player of the game or like valuable moment. <laughs> It's uh, it's it was all very good. Once again, not not to not to disparage the quality of their announcing, uh, but I get to watch it live. And let me tell you, as someone who does not watch a lot of football slash soccer, uh, this was fucking nerve wracking. Uh, because to set the stage, the United States had to win this game to proceed to the round of sixteen. Like, could not, could not draw. Had to win or be eliminated. Yeah, it was make or break time, and wow, what an, an early goal in like what the thirty sixth minute? Yeah, thirty sixth to thirty eighth minute. Uh, Christian Pulisic uh, delivered. Uh, he wa- by the way, spoiler alert: he won ambitious player of the game uh, with a very brave. Maybe I mean, if you're in Christian Pulisic's mind, like you got to win, and he had his shot and he took it. But man, I have I have never seen a goal in soccer slash football before that was so gnarly. I, I think I saw a highlight. It seemed like a collision might have been involved with the goal. A so collision it, with the goalie. So the it went. I'm trying to describe the the ball deflected in front of the goalie. So it's passing in front of the goalie. And obviously, like, uh, Iran is all over the ball. And Christian Pulisic, like a dart, goes right through everybody and does, like, a leg-in-the-air flying kick to the ball to send it straight into the goal and collided his... Nuts and dick. <laughs> oh my god. Directly with oh. the knee and cleat. Subsequently, of the goalie, did not celebrate, did not get up, uh, went, returned to play for the last couple minutes of the first half, but then did not return for the rest of the game, and he's Ouch. on day to day, and yeah. probably will not be able to play on Saturday. Dang. But it was 
so daring and so, like if, if you're in his mind because soccer is important to the united states not in the way that's important to like a mexico japan argentina uh brazil wales iran any other country but it's important to the u.s and like it's a sport that has been fighting for relevance in its space for the uh entirety of its presence in the united states and the World Cup is the best place to get people fired up about it. So you gotta, you gotta try. You gotta try. You gotta at least try. And try they have as they, the U.S. men's national team is is moving on, advancing to the the knockout round of the World Cup. Yes, the the round of sixteen, the Netherlands on Saturday, I believe. Oh, and by the way, this was a horribly fucking nerve wracking game, not because of Pulisic's uh, incredible, possibly misguided goal. But because after the 38th minute, the remaining 50 minutes were spent desperately trying to hold on to the lead. And for 50 minutes, the the U.S. team was trying to fend off an Iran who was in the exact same position the United States was in, which is they need to win. Uh, Actually, I think they could have they could have had a draw and actually gotten into the round of 16. Uh, but it was a uh, a vicious attack against our boys for 50 minutes. And we were just scraping by over and over again. And then there were nine minutes of stoppage time at the end of it. It was horrible. Yeah, nine minutes is a lot for stoppage time, if anyone is wondering. Um, usually you're closer to four, maybe five, perhaps six minutes of stoppage time. But nine seems like a heck of a lot. Is stoppage time just arbitrary? Like, what, it what, is, what is the math? Uh, so, yes, yeah, stoppage time is at the, the center ref's uh, discretion. And it's supposed to be sort of like an averaging or a, a taking into consideration all of the time not spent playing. So this mm. is setting up for set plays when the ball is being thrown in, uh, injuries factor into this. Uh, but it's supposed to be like to make up for time, not time when the ball's not in motion. I, I can see then why he added nine minutes because the U S was, uh, very intentionally doing a number of things to run out the clock. Uh, yeah. Well, as, yeah. as they should have, if they play smart, like that right. is, that is Kill- part of the game. Killing the clock is an absolute, old strategy like it's it's time honored that's what i meant by old a time honored strategy where uh yeah you just try to eat up because the clock never stops in soccer so if you have uh a a center ref who's not gonna factor in nine minutes of stoppage time it does behoove you to do that yeah it uh and you know the ref did it and we still won there was a a a very uh, and people have been making little little videos about this guy, uh, but there was a very egregious flop for the Iran team, uh, oh. where Mike's picked up like he flopped and they rolled around on the ground holding his ankle, screaming. Amazing which flops don't typically have in my, in my experience like audible screams. Well, they shouldn't. Uh, no. And, and, and when it was clear that nothing was going to be done about it, he just like hopped right back up and then just continued and then seemed to remember that he had just flopped and then went, ow, my ankle once and then just kept playing like normal. Amazing. Pretty great. That's cool. That's what you want. I mean, flops are part of the game. They are. 
Uh, so yeah, World Cup's heating up. We're we're getting people advancing to the the the, the round of sixteen, the knockout the knockout round. Uh, just some fun facts from the World Cup. Little updates here. Uh, uh, cup dates, cup dates, if you will. Uh, um, so Qatar uh, was eliminated a while ago, and uh, just a little fun fact: they scored zero points. Oh, in all of the, oof. I'm, so I think they had one goal for, uh, seven goals against for a, a goal differential of six, oof. and they lost every game they played. So they were eliminated without earning a single point in the in the group stage. Not the position you want to be in uh, as the home team. Now the home team normally loses. This is just a thing that happens. It happens every year. Uh, but they lost spectacularly, and uh, I want to say maybe karma exists. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's always tough to uh, separate the people of a nation, the players on a team of a nation. Uh, I think it's very clear. On this podcast, what we feel about the uh, priorities of the nation of Guter, but uh, right, yeah, fuck that team, <laughs> fuck them. Now, what's I'm sure super, they're great people, but uh, what's... it's I I think it rules that they lost. <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be straight up. I think it rules that they lost. Yeah, I think it's good too, and it's just fun. I don't know. We're all having fun here. Uh, they are the only team. Oh nope, sorry. Canada hasn't played their third game yet, and that right now is pointless. But other than Canada, Qatar is the only team who has not scored a point and played three games thus far. Uh, but a very fun fact about this group stage of this current two twenty twenty two World Cup: it, it's it's a very normally a lot more people get advanced into the knockout round before this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's 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 been very middling the performances this year or the how the scores are shaking up. No team at this point uh has 9 points, which means they won 3 games in a row. Um France is on target to do so if they can win their upcoming game. Uh and Brazil also looks like they're in striking distance of that as well, but they are the only two teams that could perhaps get nine points and win all three games. Uh, it seems like this is one of the more competitive World Cups that we've seen thus far. I wonder if this uh, if this flattening of performance has anything to do with the conditions under which they have to play. It could be. I mean, we are playing later in the year, uh, and it's also, even though it's November, it's still plenty hot out in Qatar. And from my understanding, a lot of the uh, stadiums, because I think there are multiple stadiums. There have to be, actually. There's eight. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, but I believe some of the stadiums, if not all, the only way that they can cool them at scale for some of them is to use swamp coolers, which are evaporative cooling devices. So it's very hot, and they're being cooled with wet air. Uh, so it's hot and humid, which is uh, an interesting combination for that part oh, of the world. That is interesting. Yeah, I do. I have to correct myself. Uh, I for, uh, I am remiss. 
uh, because Portugal is also in striking distance to get nine points and win all three games. Uh, so apologies to Portugal for not noticing that earlier. Apologies to Portugal. He's the man. Yeah. Uh, I So it sounds like you've got the standings pulled up, and I, I'd like to do a quick World Cup check. All right. I, I do the, the yeah. three teams we're interested in. What I so I got this wrong on the poster. Um, uh, I I had you because I remembered you liked Germany, but I thought that was the team you would pick. But you had picked Mexico. Yes, I, I'd randomly picked Mexico. I've always liked Germany. Uh, gotcha. But I don't uh, care about this. So care. Mexico has lost one, and they have tied one. Uh, they have one point. They are at the bottom of group oh, C. Oh no! It it. I think it's impossible. I think it's impossible for them to advance on to the the group of sixteen. That is a shame. R.I.P. Yeah. Mexico. R.I.P. Mexico. Yet yeah, both Argentina and Saudi Arabia would have to lose if both Sa- Argentina and Saudi Arabia lost. Mexico wins. They would they would all have three points. It comes down to gold differentials. Argentina would would advance with one a gold differential of one right now. Uh, Mexico would have to score three goals in their game to be able to stand a chance and advance. It's not impossible. It's just improbable. Yeah, it seems pretty unlikely. Uh, I mean, Argentina's in that group, so it's it's gonna yeah. be tough. Yes. It's going to be tough. Uh, RIP Mexico. Hopefully they move on. Uh, I think this is the soonest one of the teams I randomly picked has been eliminated from the World Cup. Uh, so I won't be interested, except I'll be interested until the U.S. is eliminated in the round of 16. Right. Uh, moving on to Group E, where both Japan and Germany are situated in various places. And it's funny, we recorded that episode, released it. On Wednesday, and that very day, Japan uh, Japan lost. Wait, no, Germany lost to Japan. Yes, uh, which I don't know. It was just funny. Uh, so uh, Japan is second in the group with a uh, three points and a goal differential of zero. Uh, they've lost one and they've won one. Right behind them is Costa Rica, uh, also with three points, but with a goal differential of negative six. Uh, so that would be hard pressed for Costa Rica to to try to surplant surpass Japan, uh, and then in fourth place in that group is Germany. Man, not a good showing from Germany this yeah. World Cup. They've tied one and lost one, so they have one point. They're not in the zero club. Uh, they have a goal differential of negative one. So if they can win their game tomorrow, they and if Japan loses. And if Costa Rica loses, uh, Germany would have four points and they would go on to the knockout round. So Group E is very much a toss-up. Okay, so my uh, my spiritual pick might be moving forward. Right. There is a chance, for sure. <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, anything can happen. It's the World Cup. By the time this episode comes out, all of this will just be dust in the wind. Yes. Uh, we will know one thing in that the day after this comes out... We'll all be glued to our little televisions uh, watching the USA versus the Netherlands, I think. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, Maybe we should all watch that. I don't know. Could be fun. I know. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not doing anything that day, uh, but Jamie's busy. 
That's a shame. Maybe we'll watch it. Have a have a have a boys trip. Yeah, so it's go Saturday. To, go to Saturday, December third at nine a.m. The Netherlands face off against USA. Uh, I will say I will not have a car. Oh, at nine a.m. I yeah, actually not... have a class. <laughs> All right. Well then, yeah. Oh, that is a shame. Yeah. Oh, I'm. Re- I was really excited, man. Maybe I'll cancel that class. I don't know. That's your prerogative, my friend. But that is the World Cup standings as they standings now. As they standing now. Well, look forward to future cup dates. And for the rest of the podcast, we won't mention it once. Sports haters resume. If you were if you were looking for a moment to fast forward when we're no longer talking about sports, boy, here's 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 your chance. Stop. Oh, wait, no, they're they're fast forwarding, so we have to say something that they'll hear, like it's us talking normally, and they know that they can continue. So I'll, I'll do it. You're safe now. And they're back. Giving slow talk. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the name of this episode is Giving Slow Talk. All right. Well, uh, uh, the World Cup aside, John, there's a lot going on today, and I don't have the energy to talk about Elon Musk anymore, so please don't bring him up. I don't want to bring him up, that pigskin lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly and parody. Yes, uh, alleged alleged pigskin. <laughs> yes, alleged man made of pigskin. Uh, do not want to talk about him, but what do you want to talk about, Henry? Uh, well, John, I'm just... The only thing I really had to prepare tonight is that, uh, lo and behold, shocks upon shocks, a pr- sitting president of the United States is going back on something he said while he was running for president or had already been elected the uh, no while he was running for president hold on i want to make sure that i heard you right yeah okay a president ran on promises that he or they <laughs> are not keeping yeah um according to this tweet i'm reading yeah uh, it ties into what we talked about, I believe, last week uh, with the U.S. Railway Workers Strike. Ah, uh, the Real World Cup. Yes, the Real World Cup, the Cup of Cups, as they call it, the King of the Rails. Uh, yeah, so yes, we are facing an imminent shutdown of the railway system of the U.S. Uh, I think 30% of all cargo transported in the country relies on these rails. And upon and also rely upon the uh, the workers that work there in those rails. Uh, they're striking for just just a couple like human rights things, like being able to take a day off without giving thirty days notice, among other quality of life updates that, frankly, the the career path has desperately needed for quite some time. And just to be clear, one of their most basic asks is the concept of paid sick leave. Yes. Which I'm... is a thing they unilaterally don't have. Right. This is not workers being greedy or trying to get just like a handout. This is 
workers trying to update the entire industry to the standards of maybe 1980. Like, yes, <laughs> this is, this is people asking for literally the bare minimum. And maybe like, if we can get the bare minimum, can we get like a step above the bare minimum? I don't know. Just perhaps. Can we get our, our wages adjusted to match inflation, the difficulty of our work. And also, by the way, I said they unilaterally don't have paid sick days. I meant they universally don't have paid sick days. It is oh, true okay. for all of them. It was silly well, to say unilaterally. Uh, but we want paid sick days and we want our wages brought current to the level of skill our work requires. Right. Uh, and so the, uh, the, the, the railroad barons... And the railway workers, uh, they've reached an impasse because they can't quite agree. And when I say they, I mean the barons can't quite agree to give these simple asks by the workers. Uh, so uh, President Biden this very morning uh, released one of his one of his his famous directives to Congress, uh, urging Congress to force the railway workers to accept the latest terms of the strike negotiation. Uh, somehow, I don't know quite how that works. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. From my understanding, it's not the first time this has happened and has actually been on the table all along. Uh, and uh, Joe Biden, in, in attempting to keep his promises to workers, I think held off for a little while and now once the rubber is hitting the road he's like no actually we we should enforce that they sign this agreement so here's the funny thing about that uh because biden could have released a very similar statement but one that urged the railroad barons to accept the terms of the workers deal he, he had that option but he yeah, did not I take mean, at, that option. At the end of the day, at his urging, is it more likely that the oligarchs in charge of the American rail system would help workers? Or is it more likely that Congress would fuck workers? It's just fascinating to me uh, because as David Sirota points out, I don't know who this is, but they're verified on Twitter. So either they're like a journalist or they paid $8 to get verified <laughs> uh, because Twitter is. Don't no worry, verification. Useful. It's being fixed now. It's, it's fixed. It's normal. It's painful, but necessary. We can no longer trust the information on Twitter because there is no moderation. And in fact, misinformation is now being spread even further. And you just know what's today, actually interesting? Just today, just, just today, just yeah. today, Twitter announced they're no longer enforcing COVID misinformation policies. Sorry, I just worked up about that. You know what's genuinely great is uh, our, our trust in the internet has been uh, rightfully uh, – totally disintegrated over the last 10 years we talked about the advent of long form medium and long form machine learning algorithms that create auto-generated text so like it's getting increasingly difficult and some would say impossible to find answers on the internet now uh, which is yeah. why you type reddit at the end of everything and for a yeah. while twitter was actually a fairly reliable source of truth if you curated carefully curated a list of people 
who you knew for the most part were level-headed until they canceled themselves and became a right winger and got a substack, <laughs> and then you had to unsubscribe yeah. from them. But Twitter was actually a pretty, de- especially in the early days of COVID, the dissemination of scientific information uh, and epidemic. I don't know the 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 dissemination of information from the scientific community on Twitter was huge in combating the virus early on because it was a way for people to share findings democratically quickly uh, with the disclaimer that these aren't peer-reviewed things. I'm just a scientist and this is uh, all of this to say with Twitter now being what it is, uh, our, our faith in the internet has to be further eroded to a point that is almost hopeless. At least there's still stack overflow, I guess. Right. And maybe GitHub. I don't know. There needs um, to be a stack overflow for general <laughs> information. Like I, I really think there needs to be. So I decided uh, in the middle of that very apt and accurate rant about how badly the internet has been to look up David Sirota. And uh, David J. Sirota is an American journalist, columnist at The Guardian, editor for Jacobian, author, television writer, and screenwriter. He's also a political commentator and radio host based in Denver. He is a nationally syndicated newspaper columnist, political spokesperson, and blogger. Uh, so I've done I've done what Twitter wouldn't do. I did a background yeah. check, <laughs> and it took you five minutes. Also, yeah. editor editor at Jacobin, good guy. Jacobin. All right. So David Sirota writes: Joe Biden is helping railroad barons who paid themselves two hundred million dollars. To crush workers who are asking for the paid sick leave benefits that Joe Biden himself promised in his 2020 campaign and pushed for in his own State of the Union speech this year. Mm. I mean, it's accurate. I, I get that he's facing that President Biden is facing the shutdown of a major artery of this nation's logistics system however i think it's worth the shutdown i think it's worth pandemonium in order to get these workers the basic bare minimum benefits that he himself promised them this is how you lose voters this is how you lose face is that you don't just do what you say you're gonna do you said it twice you said it twice just do it The issue, I think, is that whenever you're talking about, like, labor negotiations, you're talking about, like, multiple vectors of power, right? Like, the the reason why a railroad strike can exist is because of the power of workers to not work, assuming they're in a union. Uh, The narrative around that typically becomes, oh, the, the workers are pushing us toward this strike when in fact uh what people really need to do is look at the downstream vector of power which is uh suppressing wages never providing paid sick leave requiring that people submit any kind of leave 30 to 90 days in advance completely inhuman conditions that force people to act in such a way and they're lucky enough to be able to stop working and have the backing of their various unions and when you call on Congress to to create legislation to put this tentative agreement into action, you're essentially 
you're succumbing to the narrative that the workers are the problem, which is not good for this country. Like you, you need to accept that the, the force of power that made this happen is the railroad companies like period. Those, those are the enemy. It's not the workers who are pushing us to a shutdown on December 9th. It's the rail companies period. Right. Yeah, if the rail companies were so afraid of a shutdown, they should cave. The that's that's it. That's it. <coughs> Sorry, whiskey went down the wrong pipe. Oh, hold on. This is an edit. <clears throat> I get really worked up about yeah. this thing I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, but if we lived in a just country. The answer would be to uh, bend the arms of the powerful and not force the hands of the weak. For real, it's I, I mean, it's so, I, I, it's so dumb. Yeah, the, the 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 president of the United States writing a missive to Congress to 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 enforce legislation to make striking workers accept the latest negotiation. I mean, in comedy, we have this notion of like, well, you shouldn't punch down. And I feel like that needs to translate to politics just a little bit. I mean, politics, all it is at this point is punching down. Right. I think the railroad barons need to be punched a little bit politically. I'm not saying I'm not wishing violence on anyone. I want that to be absolutely clear. But I think they can take the hit monetarily because – they have they have millions of dollars. Fucking Warren Buffett is one of these railroad workers, not workers. What the fuck is one of these railroad barons? And like, he can take the hit. He has more money than he could ever use in his entire life. He can take the fucking hit. I mean, absolutely. These these oligarchs could take the hit. If I can read the statement. From Joe Biden, quote, oh, yeah. calling on Congress to pass legislation immediately to adopt the tentative agreement between railroad workers and operators without any modifications or delay to avert a potentially crippling national rail shutdown. Uh, as a proud pro-labor president, I am reluctant to override the ratification procedures and the views of those who voted against the agreement. But in this case, I will fuck you. Uh, I, I summarized <laughs> the end where there's no. a lot of backpedaling. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's he's trying to uh, and and smartly couch this in. Oh, but a rail shutdown will hurt the other smaller workers who are at the hands of these of these powerful railroad workers and their unreasonable demands, such as a twenty percent raise and paid sick days. <laughs> Or this the ability to use sick days without thirty days notice. Like yes, that is absolutely. that's insanity. Yeah. It's uh it's it's bankrupt, it's horrible. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm mad at uh, President Biden for doing this. Uh honestly this is the first thing that he has made me mad that he's done. So I mean kudos to him, but at the same time, just I thought it's the first thing he's done that's made you mad? That I'm aware of. What else has he done? Did he kill someone? Has he when killed like, multiple hey, people? Hey, do you want $2,000? And everyone said yes. He's like, well, we gave you a lot of money earlier. 
Uh, so you can just have the rest. Uh, it's it's fine. I think Joe Biden's fine. I, I think in some ways this is. I didn't need necessary. the. I didn't need that money. Is the problem? Yeah, but you got to buy a PS Five. I, I think the <laughs> issue is like this is, this is like to potentially stop bleeding for the next election because obviously, if uh, the economy shut down under your watch doesn't look good. But I mean, even based on projections midterms ended up worse for democrats than most people thought so i don't think the next election or the election after next is going to be very pretty anyway but we'll see we'll see i'm just you know it it makes me sad because i thought we were getting to a point it's like oh wow the workers are so empowered and it's like well clearly they're fucking not i i don't want you to get the wrong impression here this is huge. Uh, it is a shame that it's going to resolve in this way. But if you notice the narrative around the rail strike, the publicity it's gotten from people who are pro-union, uh, especially from people like AOC, which a lot of people just like Yas Queen AOC and then no one actually like does anything about what she says, herself included for the most part. Uh, but... I think the narrative around the strike is very different than the narrative around strikes we've seen in the past. I think the window is shifting regarding worker power. It's just not shifting as fast as it seemed to be, I suppose. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the media is hugely reactionary and they use a lot of superlative language in their headlines to to convey ideas uh, probably more strongly than they should. Uh, But yeah, I I thought we were, I was swelled up in the movement of workers. This is it. We're taking our power back. We're going to make our stand. We're going to job hop and and, uh, gaslight girl boss, whatever, (laughs) our way to the top. It's all bad. It's all bad. There's no winners here. There's only losers. But if there's a takeaway, uh, support real workers, be vocal, get out there. And if you find yourself listening to this podcast and you are a real worker or anyone who's part of a union and there's an ongoing strike or even not part of a union, don't cross the picket line. Workers are powerful. People are starting to realize it. Uh, Take Christian Pulichik's example. Sometimes you take a knee and a cleat to the dick <laughs> and balls, and then you're out for God knows how long, but you, people remember that shit. I'm not saying do anything rash. Uh, but, you know, look at look at Pulichik and put, put the pieces together for what you gotta do. Use him as inspiration, but not to hurt yourself or others yeah don't hurt anybody i wonder if this kind of vague messaging is what creates like a unabomber scenario (laughs) well i think it did in the past now the messaging is such more more overt than it used to be like we we are actively telling people not to do stuff that is violent or or harms people or or each other or themselves uh the messaging of the of the, the what people are pointing the finger at as creating uh, violent alt-right mass shooters is much more overt than what we're doing. Yeah. We're, uh, 
there are people out there just calling for violence. Yeah, exactly. We're not doing that, except for when we mentioned that one scene from uh, from Batman versus Superman. Yeah, that one very important scene from Batman versus Superman. You can put the pieces together, listeners. Yeah, we're not going to do the joke any longer because it's retired. Yeah, the joke is retired. We can't say it anymore. But speaking of retired, Henry. Oh, is it finally time to retire me? Uh, I mean, do you have enough saved for retirement? Nope. Then you gotta keep working, baby. Sounds about right. What's up with retirement, John? What is up with retirement indeed? Uh, I actually don't have a great segue, but I, I did want to. I had one thing prepared other than the World Cup, and I just wanted to do a quick follow up on a previous uh, issue that we covered a few months ago. Ooh, a follow up to an issue we covered? You know, I love those. <laughs> You know I love follow-ups to issues we covered a few months ago. They're my favorite. They're delectable. Uh, This actually passed my way through an Instagram story with a link to a New York Times article written by one Claire Tennisketter. And if you'll indulge me, I would like to read through some of it, and uh, hopefully you'll pick up on what I'm talking about as we go through the article. All right. Uh, You have my un- earned attention (laughs) it's certainly unearned here we go uh so claire tennis ketter writes a few weeks ago edward dworsky got a a promising tip by email quote diluted cough syrup read the message accompanied by a photo of two packages of syrup with a curious difference the new one appeared to be half the strength of the old one Mr. Dworsky gets emails like this frequently, alerting him to things like a bag of dog food that discreetly shrank from 50 pounds to 44 pounds. I know. A cereal box that switched from giant to family size and grew about an inch taller, uh, but a few ounces lighter. Bottles of detergent that look the same, but the newer ones come with less detergent. Oh my god! The cough syrup message looked intriguing. Mr. Dworsky made plans to investigate. He has dedicated much of his life to exposing what is one of the sneakier tricks in the modern consumer economy, quote, shrinkflation, when products or packages are subtly manipulated so that a person pays the same price or even slightly more for something but gets less of it. Consumer product companies have been using this strategy for decades, and their nemesis, Mr. Dworsky, has been following it for decades. He writes up his discoveries on his website, mouseprint.org. Yeah. A reference to the fine print often found on product packaging. Print so tiny, quote, only a mouse could read. He's gone mainstream. (laughs) He's made it big. If if you will indulge me, this article really goes places. All right. And this was published yesterday. Amazing! He's doing it! Our, our, our boy! Our boy! <laughs> Mr. Dworsky's doing it! Uh, Mouseprint.org! <laughs> returning to the article, he writes about shrinkflation in everything. Tuna, mayonnaise, ice cream, deodorant, dish soap. Alongside other consumer advocacy works on topics like misleading advertising, class action lawsuits, and exaggerated sale claims. One recent mouse print report explored toilet paper shrinkflation. Quote, virtually every brand of toilet paper has been downsized over the years, Mr. Dworsky wrote, documenting more than a decade of toilet paper shrinkage, which, by the way, 
Uh, this is me editorializing. He had like pictures of toilet paper that he had saved over years to show this trend. Uh, Mr. Dworsky, 71, is a semi-retired lawyer whose career began as a market researcher before briefly becoming an on-air consumer reporter for a a local television station alongside a young Bill O'Reilly, the former Fox News personality. Uh, It's local television. No one knew what Bill O'Reilly would ultimately do. Okay. Uh, Well, I think of the two, uh, Mr. Dworsky came out the hero. Yes, uh, Mr. Dworsky was, quote, one of the most sincere broadcasters I've ever seen, Mr. O'Reilly said recently, adding that Mr. Dworsky wasn't one of those slick broadcasters trying to sell something, uh, much like you were, Mr. O'Reilly, and allegedly had a lot of sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, Returning to the article, at the height of his career, he worked with the Massachusetts Attorney General's office on his way to becoming a self-employed consumer advocate and possibly the world's foremost expert on shrinkflation. Lately, Mr. Dworsky has had his work cut out for him. With inflation at a 40-year high, business owners have been increasingly shrinkflating their products in an attempt to hide price increases. Companies are doing it out of necessity, said Krishna Kumar Deve, president of consumer product goods at IRI, a market research company. Quote, manufacturers are facing huge costs, he said, referring to the price of raw ingredients, labor and shipping. Quote, they're trying to figure out how to balance that. And uh, here's, here's where we learn a little bit more about the character of Mr. Ed Dworsky. Mr. Dworsky works seven days a week from his modest three-bedroom condo in Somerville, Massachusetts, where he lives alone. But for him, thrift is more than a job. It's a lifestyle. He made less than $7,000 last year, mostly from donations and ad revenue. He gets by on Social Security, his state pension, and savings. He's quick with one-line zingers about his own frugality. I preach what I practice. Splurge isn't a word in my vocabulary. People go duck hunting or deer hunting. I go bargain hunting. Uh, I love him, and I want to protect him. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, amazing. One recent Thursday, Mr. Dworsky started his day at 4.45 a.m. with breakfast of a store-bought coffee cake muffin and a glass of apple juice before checking his email and scanning the web for consumer news to include in his newsletter and his other website, Consumer World. Uh, Then he turned his attention to shrinkflation. Already that day, he had two television interviews lined up to discuss the downsizing of Halloween candy. He is making it happen. (laughs) He's got two TV interviews. Oh my gosh. He's doing it. He's he's he got his start as a consumer reporter and now he's devoted his life to taking down that shrinkflation thing and he's ended up with the New Yorker. I don't know if there's a better periodical to for him to 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 bring this issue to light in. Was a lawyer for a time, uh, with inflation rattling the nation, returned to the article. Shrinkflation recently drew the attention of John Oliver, who noted Mr. Dworsky's quirky TV presence, uh, quoted, Yeah, you tell him, Ed, I love everything about that man. Uh, Mr. Dworsky's work has received notice in academic circles as well. Joseph Balagta. <laughs> Balagda. Balagda. Uh, Joseph Balagtas, a professor of agricultural economics at Purdue University who has studied shrinkflation, said Mr. Dworsky was the only person he was aware of who is documenting the phenomenon. 
Uh, Hitendra Chachavetti, a supply chain management professor at Arizona State University, said he had turned to Mr. Dworsky's example to build data sets for his own research. Uh, before setting out, once again, back to the character of Mr. Dworsky, uh, before setting out to investigate the cough syrup tip, Mr. Dworsky made himself lunch, a seafood wrap from his bargain hunting <laughs> pantry. Oh he can goodness. rattle off the prices of virtually everything in it. The imitation crab meat had gone up recently to five ninety nine for a 2.5 pound package, but was still a screaming deal, end quote. <laughs> the celery set him back a dollar fifty, the most he had ever spent on celery. He said. No, then no. he hit the road. First stop, Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? difficult to catch shrinkflation. Oh, this is a day in the life. Oh my uh, gosh! It, it's difficult to catch shrinkflation. He said, but if he's lucky, he can find examples in stores when new inventory arrives, putting newer and older packages on the same shelf side by side. Mr. Dworsky also looks out for clues like new and improved on packaging, but most importantly, he examines the weight. Look at the products you buy all the time. Note what the net weight is, he said. When you go back to the store, double check that it's still the same as your last bag, box, or bottle. But the case of cough syrup would be even trickier to investigate, he said, because it's poss- it is a possible case of what he calls skimpflation. He would need to examine whether the context, the contents were in fact watered down, changing the formulation so that people were paying the same for fewer doses of cough syrup. The tipster had sent in images from the supermarket brand, similar to Robitussin DM, showing that the adult dose had doubled to 20 milliliters for the new bottle from 10 milliliters for the old. Mr. Dworsky wondered if other stores' versions had done the same. He spent over two hours visiting five different drugstore chains. He was hoping to find both new and old products at the same pharmacies to catch them red-handed. Mr. Dworsky, of course, is accustomed to being a bit of an outsider. He said he inherited what he called the cheap gene from his father and recalled a childhood spending weekends at his dad's playing with his favorite toy, a cardboard supermarket. He'd sit inside and bag up mini boxes of cereal and oatmeal. He spent much of his career in consumer education for the Massachusetts Office of Consumer Affairs and Business Regulation and as an assistant attorney general in consumer protection. Uh, Mr. Let's see. <laughs> There's a couple things here. Uh, of course, manufacturers are free to change their product size at will, but Mr. Dworsky put together an office news release wanting to spread the word to shoppers that they should look out for sneaky price increases. The genesis of mouseprint.org began when he was assistant attorney general in consumer protection. It was the birth of his professional focus on shrinkflation. In interviews with nearly a dozen people who've worked with Mr. Dworsky over the years, it's clear that consumer advocacy is his life's work. He has never been married, has no children, and at one point in jest referred to his shrinkflation discoveries as his family. Quote, all my children are my favorites, he said. It's hard to single one out as the best. Recently, Mr. Dworsky has been thinking about his legacy. He believes his biggest impact was writing the Massachusetts Food Store Item Pricing Law in 1987, which set up rules around price transparency. Currently, he's fighting against digital discount coupons, which he thinks are harder for seniors to access because they require technical skill to use. His interest in cough syrup continued well into November with more research. He plans to reveal his findings on mouse print, but in an interview, he said he believed it was a case where Robitussin had changed its formula several years ago and its store brand competitors had just recently followed. 
a spokeswoman for Halion, the manufacturer of Robitussin, said, quote, While we continually innovate our formulations to meet the evolving needs of customers, the quality and integrity of our products is always paramount, end quote. Mr. Dworsky worries that consumer advocacy is a dying profession and gets frustrated at how hard it is to uncover these examples. Quote, there's kind of almost a resignation that these are so difficult to find, and the average person, it takes someone with an eagle eye to really see them. But he's celebrating his cough syrup findings. Quote, it's an absolute high, he said. I hit gold. And that is... The end of the most strangely <laughs> moving article I have read oh. in this entire year. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to, to hear of the the attention that Mr. Dorsky is, is receiving. And of course, mouseprint.org, which we learned about a couple of months ago. Oh, this is, this is fascinating to see such a glow up. I think we are one of the few people who were actually at the vanguard of the mouseprint.org thing. Yeah, we were. I'm, I mean, it, it, the, the sad thing is he went from like vaguely obtainable for the podcast as a guest to completely unreachable because now he's been in the New Yorker. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Once you're doing television interviews, you're in the New York Times. It's just not going to happen. But no. I, I will say the one takeaway that I have from this is you okay very rarely in our lives are we faced with individuals who are truly an n of one like the one person who's doing this one thing and almost never is a person who is n of one a person who is doing something that is actually for the benefit of people quashing misinformation, protecting consumers, helping seniors. <laughs> Mr. Ed Dworsky is really doing the work. And it is on this giving Tuesday, <laughs> the duty of anyone listening to this, if you can't give him money directly, Open 10 tabs to mouseprint.org to give him ad revenue. Do do what you can, because this person is genuinely looking out for people's best interests. Yeah, turn off the ad filters and the blockers. If we're talking about if we're talking about the differences between the oligarchs that own corporations that bend our backs every day and fighting back against those, Mr. Dworsky's doing it and has been doing it at the expense of his life. Yes. Uh he's a modern day Robin Hood. He's He's a prince of thieves. Let's all give back to him this Giving Tuesday. And when you listen to this, yes, it's Giving Friday. <laughs> Actually, it's Taking Friday, sadly. <laughs> uh, but if you can channel the spirit of Giving Tuesday <laughs> to please give to mouseprint.org, uh, please, please support this man. He is, he's really looking out for people and, you know, just give mouse print a read. It's truly fascinating reading and there's decades worth of it. Yeah. He's been doing it for a long time and he's not stopping anytime soon. So, I mean, look, if he ever mysteriously disappears, I mean, I think we know, we all know what's up. 
Yeah, the people behind the new watery smart balance will, <laughs> will put a hit out on them. Yep. Yep. So let's guard them with our lives. And let's, I mean, hopefully this stirs a movement within consumers to put their foot down and say, hey, stop changing the recipe to Cocoa Puffs. Stop charging us more for less. Exactly. That too. Actually, maybe just that. Stop. Just in general, rail workers and shrink slash skimpflation. Stop taking more than we're willing to give. Yeah. You know, speaking of congressional action, maybe there should be like, I don't know, some congressional action to limit or just reduce or stop shrinkflation altogether. Or, you know, to make a Dworsky a saint. I don't really know how that works, but if Congress could get that going, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, I forgot the cr- congressional saints. Oh, yeah, they're, they're the only ones that really matter. Oh, good. They're all American. Yeah, there's only three. St. Helen. The mountain? No, 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 the saint. Uh, St. Christopher, the dog-headed man who took Jesus in a basket across the river, and now Edorsky. Okay. I'm not familiar with the American saints, but they sound like pretty good folk. Isn't uh, St. Anthony the patron saint of lost things? Yes. Tony, Tony, turn around. Something's lost and must be found. Okay, didn't know that one. We'll have to come up with one for Ed later. Dorsky, Dorsky, let's not pay <laughs> some more ski. <laughs> oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, but I think with the canonization of Ed Dorsky and the further canonization of mouseprint.org as holy text and holy person. Yes. <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up this little escapade. What's the word escapade mean? Is it a good thing? It's like a little a little jaunt. Let's learn well, it's time to wrap up this little jaunt through the world and move on to our longer jaunts through our everyday life. That's right, this episode is coming to a close. And nary a better time to do it. Right. Uh, so if you, well, what's up? <laughs> so, I, I, it, that felt like a throw. I had no idea what to do. Oh, I don't know either. I have to do the reads, right? Yeah, you you did the lead in and now you have to do the reads. So there had to be me in there somewhere. It makes sense. All right. If you want to get in here too, boy, do I have a way for you to get in between us non sexually <laughs> no no non-platonically <laughs> God damn it. uh if you want to get on in here on give us a message share all you gotta do is send us a message at zcpcwhj on either twitter.com or hive social and i believe john knows what that stands for that's right escapade noun an act or incident involving excitement daring or adventure Yeah, I think that kind of sums up every episode of Zero Credits for me. Uh, So send us a little little message on either Twitter, for some reason, or Hive Social at ZCPCWHJ. Uh, We also have an email address, surprisingly, surprising everyone. Uh, That's email at zerocredits.net. Send us an email there. We'll read it on air and uh, comment on your spelling. Hope it's good. It better be good. Better spell good. 
Uh, we're also on a slew of different podcast apps, including Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, pretty much any major corporation with the word podcast after it. We're there. We're also on Spotify. If you could do us a favor and leave a rating, a review, or a thumbs up, or whatever you can on that app, that would be great. It's the only way that we can move up them charts and get get on up to the knockout stage of the podcast cup. That's a thing that doesn't exist. Uh, but the most important thing you can do for us, dear fam, just tell somebody else about our podcast. It doesn't even have to be somebody you know. There doesn't have to be any follow-up. Just tell a person, hey, I've been listening to Zero Credits Podcast, and I've been enjoying it. Please, please don't shoot me. That's all you have to say to somebody, and I guarantee two things. One, they're not going to shoot you, because two, they're going to be too busy downloading their podcast. That's a guarantee. For legal purposes, I'm being told I can't, I can't say that, so I'm just going to say allegedly. Uh, but yes, because the most important thing is the word of the mouth. The only the word the, the, the word of the whoa, what's happening? The most important thing is the word of the mouth. The word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And if you would like to uh, read such articles as "Is Starbucks pocketing millions in small gift card balances?" Illegally, you can go to mouseprint.org where, good news, there is now a little thing at the top saying that there has been sufficient outcry for him to set up like a donor box to uh, to support him. So on this uh, spirit of Giving Tuesday on a Taking Friday, go to mouseprint.org and give whatever you can spare to Mr. Ed Dworsky who is really taking it to, in this first page, Citibank, uh, Albertsons, Starbucks. Just just take them all down, Ed. G- give Ed the energy he needs to conquer another world. There are many more worlds than these. There are many worlds for Ed to conquer, and from everyone here at the uh, zero credits uh stand in solidarity with rail workers uh rage rage against the dying of the light fuck starbucks studios uh we'd like to wish you a happy week goodbye everybody goodbye Was reading the entire article too much? No, I think it was pretty okay. It gave me time to like uh, really slip into just being the most tired person on the planet. It uh, it really took us perfectly to time. I feel like I did a good job reading it. I just hope it was interesting. <laughs> I hope so too. You'll find out when you edit. You ever like read over a thousand words? And you're like, huh? I only stumbled like a couple times. That's nice. No, I stumble constantly. I suck at reading. No, but you you're very good at writing. <laughs>